The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Dose of Leadership Podcast, Episode 177. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. Richard Ryerson here. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Thank you so much for uh, all your support, and please make sure you're telling your friends, your family, your coworkers about the show. We continue to grow by leaps and bounds. We are consistently a top 25 business podcast on iTunes, and I couldn't do it without your support. If you could, if you haven't done so, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review this show. It does so much to the visibility of this of this show. There's new podcasts coming out every day, and we continue to stay out in front. You know, I want to keep it front and center. And so with your help, we can continue to do that. Please subscribe, rate, and review. It means so much to me. I want to do some brand new friends to the show, partnering with 99designs. You know, they've helped me so much with my branding of the business that, you know, branding is the face of your business. You can make a great impression with creative professional designs from 99designs. I love what they do there. Visit 99designs.com slash leadership and get a power pack upgrade absolutely free. I'm so excited to have on my show Keita Spock. She's a happiness expert, author, and speaker who co-wrote Tipping Point to Happiness in 2010. The book earned her the title of one of the top 50 authors on the authorshows.com in 2012-2013. She also blogs for Jennings Wire with her column Straight Talk on Happiness and is an in-house happiness expert on Jim Blasingame's Small Business Advocate Show. Keita's latest book, The Simple Life, Shiny Objects Not Required, is now available and it's also on Amazon and Barnes Noble, as well as their website, KitaSchbach.com. And when not writing, you'll find Kita outside running the marathoner that she's is. She, in fact, she can qualify for the Boston Marathon. Kita, welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Thanks so much, Richard. It's great to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you here. And when I saw that you are the happiness expert, this is the first time I've really kind of t- broached that topic when it comes to leadership. And man, tell us a little bit more about yourself. I went through the bio, but how did you get associated with happiness and how it applies to leadership? Well, it's a winding path, as it is for most of us when we're going from career to career or trying to figure out what we want to do when we grow up. Richard, in my case, um, I've always been involved with people. I'm a publicist and professional writer in my professional life, and uh, as I went along, I my writing morphed into writing for me, and it's become a passion. And from there, uh, from writing about uh, for kids, I, I jumped over into the big kids stream and started writing uh, based probably on personal experiences, research, introspection, meditation, all that combined together. Um, I came into my, what I believe is where my, my path and passion is, in encouraging others to be fulfilled and happy in their lives. So tipping point to happiness, and from there, 
uh, came the simple life, shiny objects not required. And I'm hoping with these particular vehicles, these books, to simply take my message out there. And so that's why I'm here today. Well, I love the idea of having a more simple life. You know, your latest book, The Simple Life, Shiny Objects Not Required. You know, we moved out. Um, I had some marital problems about seven years ago. We, uh, I kind of, we lost our focus. I lost my focus and got back and said, we got to get more simple. I remember that was one of the things that we said as we started going back that path. But sometimes it just seems like it's so difficult to do. How do we get there? How do we make things more simple? And, and it just seems like everywhere I look, life is crazy. It's hectic. I'm always going, going, going. How do we, how do we scale back? All right. Uh, great question, Richard. The, the big thing here is to become aware, to first just realize what you, what you realized seven years ago. Because the point, in fact, is you look around, and until you are aware of the fact that you're on 24-7, and that things, people, situations, your job, the people in your job, the challenges in the job or in the work, being being the boss, being the employer, get to such a, a point that you are thinking that if there is one more thing that is added to my plate, I'm going to lose it. Yeah, um, they're going to they're going to have to commit me. And I think it's at in that moment of oh my gosh. I just can't do this. I cannot live another day or another week in this kind at this kind of pace. And fortunately, we have the technological tools that that help us be more efficient and more aggressive in our jobs and in our work and in our companies. However, at the same time, they are debilitating us because they are almost causing us to fall into this treadmill of 24-7. And once you're on that treadmill, Richard, it is difficult to get off because you're, you're distracted or you're, you could even be motivated. You're encouraged. You're, all these things are happening and all of a sudden the body, first of all, says, hey, you don't, you're not getting enough sleep. I can't deal with, with this anymore. Or my back is aching or the doctor says I've got to lose weight or all these kind of symptomatic things start happening physically. And then, of course, that's a first warning sign. And then as that moves along, the psychological and um, emotional fallout begins to occur. Mm. Because the body is your first signal to tell you, hey, something's not right here. You're out of balance. That's why you're sick or that's why these kind of uh, unhealthy symptoms are occurring. If you're not paying attention to that and you take it further, then your mind starts talking to you emotionally and psychologically that you can feel the state of being out of control and being absolutely overwhelmed, especially in a leadership position where the tasking, the challenges, the responsibilities, the accountability is that much greater. You know, I love that you said that, um, you know, getting into, you know, first of all, being completely present and then being in tune with what your your body is talking to you. That's something that I've recently become aware of, and it's so true. I think when you're younger and your body is a newer model anyway, and, and it's it's not as prevalent, but obviously as you grow older and, the, and the, the joints and everything else start to ache a little bit more, it does become more difficult. But how do I... How do I, um, well, let me, let me ask you this. How important is, um, spirituality, 
um, getting in tune with your body, this whole oneness to um, leadership. And do leaders, the, the senior leaders, leaders say in their 50s and their 60s, do you see a trend people kind of going towards that uh, or, or that awareness anyway? I mean, does that make sense? I mean, is there an awareness of spirituality and becoming more in tune with uh, your physical presence, I guess? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And the reason it happens is this, Richard. As soon as you become aware, and this, you were asking how do you, how do you, you know, step off this, this whole um, rat race, if you want to call it that, is you need, you need, once you're aware, you need to shut out the noise. You need to start being in a position to take time. And that time may be five minutes of quiet. It may be a walk around the block at lunchtime instead of hurting it at your desk. It can be getting up a little earlier in the morning just to experience quiet and silence. Yeah. Once you do that for yourself, then your inside, the internal, starts talking. Right. And it will tell you some amazing things because at that point you are starting to what people say listen to your intuition to that gut feeling uh, it could be as some people call it your soul calling but it is definitely an internal mechanism that we've always had we've always had it it's just that it's been blocked out by living life and being so caught up in the external that the internal has been ignored and and for that reason, we have all reached the states we're in. Now, that leader at 50 or 60 years of age is a smart person. Right. You wouldn't be a leader. You wouldn't be a leader. You wouldn't be where you are, whoever's listening out there now, if you weren't smart and astute and, 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 uh, and, and even mindful, mindful uh, of what's going on around you. So let's take that mindfulness not only about your business, but about yourself. So here you are, you're in that five minutes of silence, and you've got some, perhaps some painful thoughts coming up, ones you don't really want to hear. Something like this. My teenage son is really giving me a hard time. I've got to do something about this. And instead of ignoring it or diving further into work, uh, staying more hours at the office because you don't want to come home to a teenage son that you don't understand and is driving you nuts. Maybe it's a partner that's driving you nuts. Uh, Maybe it's your own health habits that are making you feel unworthy that you've put on 20 pounds since you've got your CEO position. All these things are natural things that have happened to all of us. But when we get to a point where we recognize and acknowledge these things, we are actually on the road to correcting them. Yeah, I love that you said that. In fact, what you just said resonated with me because that's exactly what happened to me when I checked out because I didn't want to deal with the pain and the reality of what was happening on the other front. So I gravitated towards the ones where the success was easier, if that makes sense. And and naively thinking that, well, the more that you plug into that, the better things are going to be. But if you're not in tune with what is going in, on in every aspect of your life, then it's going to derail at some point. And what you're talking about is you got to take those moments and and be completely honest and authentic with what's going on in every aspect of your life and deal with them as they come. It sounds so simple, and we're talking about it here at zero speed, but we all know um, 
it's tough to do the difficult things. It's tough to handle the, I don't know what to do with my teenage son. I don't know what to do. So we don't deal with it. And we, again, spend that extra two hours at work. We're coming home later later each time. Yeah. Um, you know, you've made a, an interesting the word uh, authenticity, being authentic. Yeah, we talk about it a lot. It is absolutely yeah. crucial to excellent leadership, uh, Richard. And when you self-examine and self-discover and, and then self-assess, and self-assessment is basically looking and seeing what habits, traditional, excuse me, traditions, rituals, um, habits, all these things that have accumulated over the years. Now, those could be business habits uh, that and processes and methodologies that you're doing because you've done them always. They could be personal and they could be social, whatever. But when these things have layered you over the years, and let's say you're, you're 45, that means 25 years of layering, 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 and you could still be carrying uh, beliefs and values that you've adapted from your parents that really are not in sync with you anymore. Or you know that that's not who you really are. So looking at all that and being being courageous enough to say, I can't do this anymore. Right. It's, and it could be as small as, you know, the family always goes out for brunch every Sunday, and you've been doing it for 10 years. And you know what you'd rather be doing because you've been sitting inside all week. You want to get out and hike, or you want to get out and take a run, or, or, or whatever it is, that hobby, that, that interest that really needs cultivating. And so the act of saying, first obviously talking out with family or partner, whomever, and saying, you know, we could, if we could just change that, that would make my Sunday a little bit easier. I would be more refreshed. So you see, it could be as simple as something like that to as, you know, major as in, uh, in some cases, uh, leaving a relationship and saying, uh, uh, I'm done. I know that I'm a changed person. I, I am looking for other things. Obviously, that isn't done over 24 hours, Richard. That's maybe right. done over two or three or four years of introspection research, perhaps. Uh, but what I'm saying is, it doesn't matter what change, whether it's small or big, but it's a start. And I have to say this to all the listeners, your ability to lead is directly proportional to how authentic you are. I love that. And that is, that's, a, that's my statement. I don't think I've read it anywhere. I'm going to repeat it. Your ability to lead is directly proportional to how authentic you are. Because if you are someone else at home, in other words, the real Richard or the real Kita, and then you come to work, and I'm on the phone with you now, and I'm blathering away about, oh, you know, I'm such a happy person, and we've all got to be happy. And I don't believe a shtick of what I'm saying. Then I'm not then my message, the fact of me talking to you right now becomes absolutely irrelevant, absolutely unrealistic, and it absolutely compromises my integrity as an individual. And if you or anyone else is continually compromising your integrity, either because you're doing things that you know in your heart, they're not, that's not me. Or you think you have to be doing these things because everybody else is, which is the uh, manifestation of the 24-7 emulation yep. uh, media-predicated world that we live in. 
then that's the time, that's the moment that you go, I gotta step back. I gotta get into quiet and I've gotta really find myself again. What you said there is that that's absolutely one of the best things uh, anyone said in an interview in a long time in here, and it, and it goes to the theme, and it's exactly why I started this podcast. And in mm-hmm. in relating to my personal story, it is exactly what happened to me because I was doing things that I thought I was supposed to be doing. I wasn't doing things. Um, I wasn't going down a path that I um, thought were or was in line with my purpose anyway. And mm-hmm. um, man, I was somebody different home than I was. Um, when I was at the office, I was, I, were two, I was two different people. And, um, I think, and it happens and I don't think anybody goes into it necessarily. And, and I think it's a byproduct, as you said, of the 24 seven kind of rat race and doing things again. I think, well, this is what I'm supposed to be doing and not really being in tune, uh, to what makes you tick and uncovering what makes you tick, not being in tune with that and not being authentic to what your gifts and your talents are. Um, it leads to that kind of, uh, it's a slow fade. It's not something that necessarily happens quickly. It just is like, well, I got to be this way, or this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And meanwhile, you're not being honest with yourself and, and, and completely forthright of, of what you're supposed to be doing. I don't know. I love what you said. I mean, it it resonates with me deeply. And I know there's a lot, especially with men, I can't speak. uh, I've met a lot of men and especially that are about my age that, that deal with this exactly. And so I think it's a, a bigger problem than 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 many people think. Yeah, there is a there is certainly the perception that a uh, you know a guy, especially in a in a, a leadership uh, accountability role, has to be sort of this tough guy or has right. this mask of, of 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 neutrality. And obviously, in making decisive decisions and in uh, a, uh, being an example or a role model for employees. Uh, the idea of breaking down or crying, of course, is not condoned or is not, it's not what I'm certainly suggesting that you suddenly become uh, so, so, so transparent that employees are, are wondering uh, right. you know, what's, what's happened, right? Yeah, you don't want to come in uh, if you're struggling with like, a, oh, if say you're an alcoholic or something, like, hey, I really struggle with my alcoholism today. You know, we're not saying, you're not talking, that's what you're talking about, right? I mean, you don't want to come in and necessarily. I mean, there has to be a certain level of of. of um... There has to be a certain level of aloofness yes. and distance because that that is the essence of leadership. Yeah. Uh, to me, not only authenticity, but a level of of distance in authority, which demands respect yes, and demands respect. That's where employees uh, get their their sense of trust and confidence from. So, in other words, it's like the parent, don't be a friend to your kid, because you will lose the authority of who you are as a parent. Again, that's another whole area we could get into here, uh, Richard. Uh, That's a topic for another show. But it's the same, uh, same situation, the same dynamic in leadership. If you give away your authority to become a friend or become closer to your employees uh, so that they will like you or so that the workplace will become friendlier and more positive, that's not the step to take. You are there to be an authority figure. So if we go back to the original uh, premise of uncovering yourself and finding out what makes you tick, that, that really is in some ways a private process. 
And then based on what the outcome is, which we are saying here, I'm saying it will be positive. When you do have the revelations you do as as an individual and as a private person, you can take back some of the improvements, some of the adaptations, some of the personal revelations into the workplace as a leader and use them to adapt in the workplace in order to drive your business to be better by being a better leader. I cannot in any way see how a better person would not become a better leader, Richard. Oh, well said. It's in all aspects of your life. So I think the, mo- the, the when you apply it to everything, and it applies to everything, um, yeah, everything starts to improve. Hey, halfway through the show here, I want to take the time to pause and talk about 99designs, especially for you startup entrepreneurs, people who are thinking about starting a podcast. You know, we'd all like to avoid the dreary side of business. I know I did. I like the sexy side of doing these interviews, but let's face it, behind the work, there's paperwork, there's all kinds of things we got to do. If you've decided to take the leap and you're ready to start your own business, you're probably knee-deep in all kinds of details and you're overwhelmed, you know, and you may find that the creative side of your brain is craving attention. Luckily, there's one task you need to do that is more creative, and that is getting a few designs in place so you can begin connecting with clients, so you can start getting the name and face of your business. You know, with a powerful logo, a website, social media design, all of that, you'll be able to promote your business. It gets excited. It starts to become tangible and real, both in person and online, and you can start start right away. At 99designs, a leader in the graphic design space, you can get anything designed in just a week for a startup-friendly price. I can tell you this is great, especially when you're in a bootstrap budget. 99designs can help you build your client base before you even open your doors. I've used 99designs, and I love the personal experience and the, and the, the, the flexibility of working with them. What if you could start your next design project today and have dozens of designs to choose from in just seven days? Well, you can. Visit 99designs.com slash leadership and get a $99 power pack of services absolutely free. I guess the, the, the devil's advocate, playing devil's advocate, you know, the say the type A business leaders say, look, it's all about the bottom line. I don't got time for this. Um, it's just part of the game. This is the sacrifices that we make when we're in this role. And I know their sacrifices the higher you get up. But what do you say to that person who says, "Look, I don't got time for all this happiness mumbo jumbo. I got a bottom line to take care of." What do you What do you say to that? Well, I've got a few things to say to that, Richard. And because happiness now, uh, even five, seven years ago, was considered a very soft topic. It was considered like a cloud, you know, yeah. some uh, cotton cotton candy. It's 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 for. It's for the new age folks. It's not for the hardcore business people right. who need to uh, make money. Interestingly enough, happiness now is measurable in terms of productivity, in terms of people who work and are either happy or unhappy. The productivity rate, <clears throat> excuse me, for um, employees who are disenchanted at work or disengaged, and they're primarily disengaged. Uh, Richard, I would venture to say because management, uh, upper management, the leader, there is not enough direction, there is not enough engagement, there is not enough interest, there is not enough motivation coming from upper management in order to drive that employee. Right now in America, 70% of employees are either disengaged or bored, and consequently the productivity rate drops directly. 
when somebody is not satisfied or happy at work. So if you want to say that happiness does not matter, you're wrong. It does. And there are measurable statistics, and that is one of them. The aspect of motivating employees is not driven by giving them, giving them a higher salary. If some of you want to look up David Rock, R-O-C-K, he's a neuroscience uh, uh, consultant talking about your brain at work, one of his books, which I would recommend uh, some of the leaders out there to read, Your Brain at Work. What he talks about is a, mo- a model called SCARF, S-C-A-R-F, and those are all the motivator, motivating factors that drive a person to be better at work. And interestingly enough, salary or money has nothing to do with it. Yep. So on that point, if I can get you guys curious enough to go to the book, uh, get that book and mine, <laughs> yeah. um, then you'll be doing yourselves a, a, a favor over the summer period. Getting back to whether happiness or the bottom line is more important, let me say this. Happiness breeds success. Happiness is contagious. Yep. A leader who is fulfilled and content unto himself or herself will by by default, by definition, breed success. And yes, if you want a bottom line uh, short term and you want to drive those numbers and you need to do it ruthlessly, you need to do it now, then perhaps the whole idea of engaging your employees and taking the time to perhaps take a look at your HR policies or to see whether your your uh, you know, your receptionist is happy and whether you're saying hi to her every day and smiling, those things may run off the road in terms of delivering right now. But I guarantee that whether the, that if this works in the short term, it will not work in the long term. Hey, yeah. And if you want to see something in the long term, uh, working in this way will actually cause alienation and those of you out there who are wondering why your staff is turning over a lot, here are some of the reasons, the ones that I've just named. You know, this is, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's because of, um, God, and I see this so much, especially in the corporate side, you know, you, you got to beat them over the head with a wiffle ball bat to get, to get the results. And it's just not sustainable. And um, every, every, significant human achievement throughout history isn't wasn't done through coercion and and force i mean yeah it we have had results that way but it's just not sustainable you're absolutely right well you know if we're going to take it further and even take it uh on a global level richard um and i've mentioned to this uh mentioned this in my in my notes to you earlier um the whole us them leadership style uh, is based on a competitive platform. It's enough them, they're going to win or we're going to win. And if you take a look at that adage, at that kind of dynamic on a global level, and you see it playing out in the Ukraine uh, and in uh, you, know, vers- you know Russia and the States and Canada now coming in, you see it in Palestine and in Israel, uh, the, the quagmire that's developing there. 
as long as we, whether we do it on a macro level like that or we do it on a micro level in our own businesses or in our own families, i got to win. There is going to be conflict. There is going to be confrontation. And my uh, sincere adage here is, in talking about simplicity, which is a component, because simplicity is truth, simplicity is direct, it doesn't allow you to deceive or to find a shiny object to hide yourself behind it. It doesn't allow it. Simplicity is truth. That comes into play, and then you're not talking about uh, us-them anymore. You're talking about we, and you're talking about partnerships, and you're talking about collaboration, and you're talking about teamship, and you're talking about uh, the whole idea above anything else of cooperating. I love. I mean, it all sounds good. I love it. And the idea sometimes, though, don't you agree that you know, at, at um, we have to at times make sacrifices and do. I mean, isn't victory important? I mean, isn't winning important? I, I hear what you're saying, but there, there's a strong part of me saying that I want where I come from is I want everybody to win. I want everybody to. Uh, I believe that everybody has more. Uh, potential than they give themselves credit for and that they're capable of doing things beyond measure if they just believed and, and do what you're talking about. But at some point, don't we have to have a competitive and winning spirit? Yes, I, the, that competitive spirit can be what drives us internally, Richard. Yeah. Because as soon as we uh, take that competitive spirit and we start, and here are, you could use the four C's here, competitive, and then you take the, the three other C's that are quite dangerous, actually. When you start to compare yeah. yourself, when you start to criticize others, and then when you start to complain. Right. If you take any of those behaviors, first of all, they're not the mark of a good leader. They're the mark of a leader who perhaps, and here comes the fifth C, I can't help it, but it's just coming out, who's a coward. Right. Because instead of um, taking responsibility and being accountable, you start uh, by virtue of your fear, deflecting what may be wrong or what may not be going right onto others. And that then is is what becomes that vicious circle. And that could be going on in your company, in your business, in your family, or on a more uh, on a broader level with perhaps another company. For instance, let's take an example here. Um, you've got a proposal. Somebody, you want to create an, uh, a proposal and you need uh, a team member who you've had difficulty in the past with. He's a little bit abrasive. Uh, he's not fun to work with. Um, tends to be uh, a know-it-all, and yet he's got the uh, particular patent on a, on a widget that is absolutely crucial to your proposal and winning it for a, for a huge sum of money. So what are you going to do? Are you going to uh, keep that in mind that he's been a jerk in the past and that because he's a jerk in the past that you're not going to have anything to do with them, or are you going to say, okay, I'm going to swallow, and I'm going to reach out and see yeah. if I can in any way have that person, not as an enemy, but as a collaborator. Right. And so that demands 
this is not silly. This demands incredible courage, but it, 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 it demands wisdom, astuteness, incredible astuteness as a leader. And that's why all you, all you listeners, you are leaders. So your character, by virtue of, again, of definition, definition, demands of you that you are capable of reaching out and seeing what can be salvaged here. Mind you, if, and in this case, Richard, if the person chooses to remain a jerk and you have absolutely no possibility of working with them, then you, as a leader, you make the decisive decision. You can't be a player on our team, on our proposal. Right. We're going to lose substantially in uh, the, the proposal's strength, and we may lose we may lose the deal. So then you as a leader have to have, have to decide, have to decide whether you go for it or not. But that, I believe, is, is a, for instance, a, a problem or a challenge for a leader that he or she can readily solve. It's a great example. And it's so it, it touches to so many things, because you're right, because the what someone in an old school style or style that we may think would happen is like, well, I'm going to crush this individual. I'm going to get what I want, or I'm going to be manipulative to get what I want. But what we're talking about here is being, look, you know, selling your vision, your dream, and your idea, and getting everybody on board. I mean, that's what leaders are supposed to do. I mean, that's the whole definition of leadership. And you're right; it takes a great deal of courage to do what you you laid out. But that's what's missing is that courageous authenticity, and that's we talk about that a lot. And uh, oh my gosh, you are just a a wise soul. Kita. <laughs> well, I'm I'm trying to be um, as authentic as I can because in in essence we're all in this together. Yep. Uh, you, me, everybody listening, uh, we're not here to polarize each other. We are here to uh, encourage and uh, celebrate each other. And again, I don't want to sound maudlin, but the human race is in great jeopardy, and it requires and needs leaders that have a great sense of not only courage. Here's another C word. This is a C word program. uh, Who also have compassion. Yep. To be able to uh, acknowledge and recognize the opponent, the competitor, and say, forget them as a a competitor or an opponent. They are a fellow human being who have have just the same range of problems and challenges as I do. And maybe they happen to be behaving like this today uh, because they just had a tough time at home. Right, and and if 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 that perspective can, if you can allow that perspective to come into your stage, into your mind stage, then your ability to see a bigger picture is 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 created naturally. Yep, that's so true. Yeah, I love you brought up the seas. You know, it's one thing that I've always uh, I, the seas that I talk about is. Um, are calm, confident, consistent, and courageous. Those are the ones that I always try to, you know, less about charisma and more about those other C's, and you've given me a lot more to to think about. But, um, oh, I just love this conversation. 
And uh, <laughs> as we well, uh, is there? A, do you have any other uh, question you'd like to ask yeah, me, la- or, last, or yeah. you know, anything else that we can move along to? Is there something that that you see as a gap that you need uh, your listeners to know? Well, I think as we as we wrap up here, I think one of the questions I get asked a lot, and I get emailed and. And when I coach, and especially with young leaders and uh, people that are put into roles, or they may even, and what I find fascinating is sometimes people don't even realize they're in, um, they don't have the title. And I always try to tell them, look, you have a lot of influence in whatever position, whether title or not. So what advice would you give to maybe someone in that kind of sitting in that organization that they're bathing in mediocrity, they want to make a difference, they want to you know, improve their own lives, they want to become better leaders? What advice would you give them? Well, the first thing I would do is it starts with you individually um, as a leader, and I've alluded to the fact, and I would stress it highly, is that in order to be a good leader, you really need to spend time with yourself, and that means uh, creating a space of quiet, of silence for yourself on a daily basis. So some of you who already, let's say, get in a squash game before work or you you, you walk your dog or, or you have some kind of other ritual or habit that, that so, gives you solace, try to, in that way, also extend maybe another five minutes of simply silence. And it'll be interesting how things will start to pop whether they're internal uh, thoughts that are, they may be unpleasant, we've already talked about that, but they may also figure as what we call aha moments. When you give yourself moments of silence, you also allow, allow your subconscious to birth those ideas, those solutions that you have been consciously looking for otherwise. Oh, I love it. Well, Keita, like I said, this has been such a fun conversation. I'm definitely going to have you back because there's so many things I'd like to explore with you. But uh, how can people get in touch with you? How can they find you um, and, and learn more about you? Yeah, okay. Uh, thanks for that for that question, Richard. Uh, the best way is on my website, ketoshpog.com, and I'm going to spell it, and I don't know if that can be highlighted on your on the, on yeah, the show as be. well mm-hmm. because it's the spelling of my name that's a little interesting. K-I-T-A. Reader with a K. Spock is spelled S-Z-P, as in Peter, A-K dot com. My book, The Simple Life, Shiny Objects, not available, or not required, sorry, is available there as well. I have a pop-up, and any of you who would like um, a free uh, 15-minute consult, I, can, I, I will extend that to your listeners. Oh, great. Thank you. So... Yeah, and even if you want to chat further, and then from there, uh, who knows where this can go. Well, I'll have links to all this on the post, and like I said, Keita, this has just been a tremendous conversation. Um, I'm so blessed to have met you, and I feel so fortunate that you spent uh, the last 40 minutes talking to us about uh, your wisdom. I think uh, it's definitely in line with what we've always talked about here in Dose of Leadership, and I'm so appreciative you came on the show. Well, it's been my absolute pleasure, and uh, again, my thanks for extending me this particular opportunity, Richard. All right, stay on the line. We'll talk for a little bit more, but uh, thanks for coming on. 
Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com. 